Welcome to our first episode. This is kind of exciting, right? Hi. Right. So uh, one of the things that I learned um, in this process in talking to both Dave and Amber is that I think this is a very exciting time for the queer community in El Paso. I think it's a time of growth and change and expansion. And uh, yeah, El Paso is starting, the queer community here in El Paso is starting to grow more further wings and sprout new ideas and new concepts. And my experience is different from you all. So I think that, you know, this kind of movement and growth forward is really necessary. And to me, it's surprising that it's taken so long to get such progress. I agree, especially for a city of our size. You know, I don't, I would... I always used to say that El Paso is about 20 years behind the time, and it seems like we're closing that gap, but we're still a little bit lacking uh, from big cities, as Amber had mentioned as we told when we talked to her later, she'll mention about how, you know, comparing it to San Francisco or Dallas or some of the other communities that have been very large and very active, but it is still an exciting time for our community. And it has its challenges. What did you all think of, of hearing about the history of Sun City Pride? Well, I was intrigued, of course, um, and, and fascinated to the point where Dave realized uh, realizes how a big city like San Francisco can translate into what could happen here in El Paso. That it, It's interesting to hear people glean or learn or get inspired and then Take, some, take that and transform it into something of their own. Yeah, you know, actually, I was really proud of the fact that we, I did ask him a little bit about the first Pride celebration he went to, and I was with him, you know, 20 years ago in San Diego. And I remember him, that we were all much younger then, but he was extremely excited, really into it. And you could almost see that that lit that fire inside of him. But for me to imagine that he would be where he is today and what he's done in our community is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, he is Super Dave, for sure. Absolutely. And um, and it's inspiring to hear his journey of how of his personal journey as he as he discovers who he was and who he was to the community and how he could improve that community that he's now become a part of. Right. And, and a lot of times people don't understand that it's not just the pride parade. I mean, that was the spark that got a fire lit under Dave. 20 some years ago, but uh, it, you know, the, 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 the philanthropical aspects of it and the, and the donations that they do and the scholarships that they provide, I mean, that's all an aspect that I think is something that our community should be really proud of. But the parade is obviously the big party weekend and that's a lot of fun. And they've done a good job of creating events that last all throughout Pride Month. But Ceci, as our cisgendered woman on staff, our producer, she, um, uh, this was your first Pride uh, parade, was that right, this that's, past one? That's true. As much as I've been an ally for years and, you know, had several friends and, you know, I'm, I think I'm part of the community, yes. um, this was the first time I'd ever went. And I was amazed at the familial feel, like, atmosphere that there was. It wasn't just, you know, pride and partying. It was, there was families, there was bunches of families, you know, there watching the parade and that. That, to me, I think says a lot about El Paso. I couldn't agree more. And that, and also, I was the thing that, you know, Izzy and I worked together on a magazine called The Tea back in the early 2000s. Um, and it was the gay and lesbian magazine of the time. There have been dozens and dozens of them, you know, throughout the, the period of the, the LGBT community in El Paso. But at the time we had it, and so we participated in the first Pride Parade, and we handed out our magazine, and and it was humbling, 
and a little sad. You know, compared that we had just come from like, you know, San Diego and you're like, wow. And then you come here and literally there was, you know, a few cars and some bartenders and the bars were all represented. Do you remember that is? I do. I do. And, um, and it was sad, but you know, at, at the, at that point you think, well, at least something's happening. I mean, you're relieved that, oh my God, El Paso's able to catch up or able to start going down this road. So it was hopeful. Exactly my point. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, while if you compared it back then to all these other cities that we had been to gay pride, you know, it did seem sad. But you know what? That was the beginning. I mean, it had to start somewhere. It wasn't going to go from zero to 100 overnight. But now that you see all of these big corporations sponsoring floats, and like Ceci had mentioned, the the families that are involved in the the fact that it really is a celebration of community and not exactly just the LGBTQ community, but rather the entire community, which is what we like, you know, I mean, so moving, you know, I thought that was extremely moving to see. I also think that that's part of the political climate, not to get too political at all, but the fact that so many families I think I feel, I feeling targeted in a sort sort of way, you know, with the governor and you know Texas and legislation they're trying to pass. I think they thought we need to go out there and you know show some unity and some you know brotherhood for for, for the, this community. I agree. I think that you know um, you know both um, Amber and Dave touched a little bit on some of the pending legislation that would affect the community, particularly um, drag performers in our community, and each of them in their own ways are doing something to help with that fight and to help represent those that are being targeted, and there's no other word for it. Um, but somehow or another, I think that the you're right, Ceci, that did spur people to support other people. So there is a, a balance to it, hopefully. But um, And we'll go into that in a future episode because we, we've got a lot of... There's lots to cover when it comes to that particular subject. But it's amazing to me how we still, no matter how much we've grown, we're still kind of our own little bubble in El Paso, Texas. Yes, we are our own little bubble. We have a unique culture here that, that we can fashion our pride events and our and our parades and whatnot after larger cities but we also have the opportunity to grow our own brand of it our own border region gay pride flavor that's right like sense, yeah. there's yeah. no yeah sazon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that <laughs> I know. so that reminds me of why we ended up on the name queer on the el paso for those of you all that don't know the phrase that's commonly used in El Paso and everywhere in the Latino community is que onda, meaning mm-hmm. what's up. Yeah. And because we're queer, and that covers all sorts of different things, we decided to embrace the queer identity. And you turn a phrase, and now you're listening to Queer on the El Paso. And we welcome feedback from our community. We are, this is our community's podcast. And we look forward to covering all the different aspects of the experience here in this area, not just solely El Paso, but this geographic area. In speaking with Amber Perez of the Borderland Rainbow Center, I really, um, my experience in going to their brunches and whatnot, one thing I gather is this great, uh, almost homey, home environment, 
Um, but also, in I was so impressed by all of their programming. It's amazing, and probably not no as well known what all they're doing behind the scenes and to benefit the the queer community. I became uh, acquainted with them because I was part of the um, Borderland Heroes uh, deck of cards, which which highlights um, local. Um, queer community uh, leaders and those kinds of things. So that's how I became familiar with them. But then I became entrenched in all of the programming that they do. And it was, it's amazing me and great, I think, because on one hand, we have one organization that does the, the great um, fun uh, party scene. But on the other hand, we have this other organization that focuses on counseling and on helping identity issues and things like that. So it, in this way, we are becoming a more well-rounded community. I couldn't agree more. We have, one of the things that growing up uh, in El Paso a, and being queer, your only outlet was the gay bars. And, you know, uh, and that was a lot of fun and it had a lot of opportunity and you did feel safe. I remember going to the OP for the first time and for the first time in my life, I felt like we I discovered a whole new world when I walked in for the first time and it was this safe place. But it was a party atmosphere, and it was a lot of drinking, and it was a lot of fun. Yes. But if I uh, had had other opportunities, like there are younger people that are too young to drink or too young to go to the bars, and they need a safe place to come out to or a place to talk to somebody and get counseling um, and get the support, even if it's just a hug from somebody you know, in the community welcoming them. And that's what the, the Borderland Rainbow Center offers. And, the, the, and that was something that Amber really did stress, was the idea of safety and, and creating a safe place for not just the younger ones, but especially the younger ones, but also for the entire community. Uh, and then off, on top of that, not only, like you had said, is he all of the counseling opportunities and all of the support that they offer, but they operate a food bank in their neighborhood and they have lofty ambitions for how they want to see the Rainbow Center grow. And again, going back to 20 some years ago when we had the first gay pride parade, I never would have even thought that we would have had a Borderland Rainbow Center. That kind of organization, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the, those kinds of organizations always fall, you know, under, you know, funding deficiencies and things like that. And that, you, they, you always hear about the people with the money, you know, and organizations like this, they rely on donations and they rely on word of mouth, you know, to help those that they offer services to. So this kind of, even our podcast can help get word out and get more people out there to use their services. I was intrigued by her intergenerational social Link. socialization program, which you don't think is a problem. We associate in our own circles and you don't think that combining generations is a priority, but it absolutely is because it's part of understanding the people in our community. And that I think is a huge part of understanding the queer community as well, you know, just understanding period. That and also, you know, those of us that, uh, you know, a lot of us have, you know, full family lives, but we almost take for granted the intergenerational influences they have. But, you know, very few people have a gay uncle or aunt or grandfather or grandmother that are out and in the community. But here you are able to pair a younger person with somebody that's been around and has this knowledge to impart or an experience to share or stories to tell or friendships to develop. And we, that is a big part of our socialization to make us more of a cohesive community without a doubt. 
Absolutely. What came to mind when we were talking about the intergenerational link was that was that the idea, and it's an old quote, but those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And of course, you've got older this older generation that can lead and and help form the young future generations of the LGBTQ community, and also watch them foster and flourish and and, and grow from that experience. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it was quite enlightening talking to her, and also I personally think that both Dave and Amber are just powerhouses in our community, and uh, each of them uh, are a blessing to the LGBTQ community. I always, and that brings up something else. I want to get away from saying LGBTQ. I think that for the purpose of this podcast, we're simply going to embrace the moniker queer, and know that that is all inclusive, and all the shades of all the colors of all the rainbow. So. We welcome our queer and queerer listeners. <laughs> and I appreciate not having to trip over all of those of those letters. You know that we're gonna we're gonna run out of letters pretty soon. Yeah. You know, there are only twenty six and I think we already got like ten of them covered. So I don't know how much more we can do. I remember I heard somebody say it was the queer alphabet. <laughs> <laughs>